This is a building review of Sanar's Toledo Museum of Art Glass Pavilion. The reviewer was Joseph Bedford. What's your name, by the way? Tom. Tom. Okay. Joseph. And Joseph, yeah. Okay. On August 29, 2013, I spent a day at Sana's Toledo Art Museum Glass Pavilion. Uh, we have two uh, tours and then the glass blowing demonstration. And then, as you may know, around the corner there, there's kilns. Glass artists will rent a kiln, two furnaces here as well. I walked around the building in the morning. I did a run this morning, like mm -hmm. not knowing anything. Then I mm -hmm. sat and wrote a review mm -hmm. over lunch. I'm gonna go and get some breakfast for an hour and then come oh, back. Excellent. Okay. So, see you later on. Yeah, you'll be, All right. Okay. You'll be pleased with the cafe. What follows are some thoughts on the will towards the conceptual in architecture, and the constant pull back towards the concrete and the real. So I've entered um, the building off-axis to the left into a foyer space. I can see through the building, through many layers of glass. Um, to my right, I've got a small coffee shop. The glass pavilion is Sana's first US building. This building is a luxurious piece of architectural invention. It is a single-story square plan, sited within a plot of land, much like a village green, across Monroe Avenue from the Toledo Art Museum. Monroe Street is very busy. It used to be a main thoroughfare, but with the interstates, there's not much traffic there anymore. It displays the museum's collection of glass objects, as well as the display of the process of glass making. Sana work within an explicitly neo-modernist vocabulary, indebted to Mies van der Rohe, and especially Mises' vision at the Farnsworth House. The glass pavilion can be considered a manifestation of the exhilarating transparencies the Mies had only imagined over half a century ago. And like Mies, here, Sana attempted to use the near immaterial likeness of glass to overcome some of the realities of your typical architectural plan. You can hear acoustically that the, this corridor space just resonates with sound from all over, uh, whereas I can't really hear what's going on in the room right next to me. The acoustical and thermal properties of the half-inch thick tempered glass, enables a unique kind of spatial membrane. The glass was rolled in Germany and laminated and curved in China. The process of extreme heating and rapid cooling made the glass stronger and more heat resistant. To my right I've got the hot shop and pe people in there are um, giving a display to a tour group all sitting down. This material technology allowed Sana to create a new kind of architectural plan. The plan derives from a diagrammatic analysis of the program in which each activity is given a discrete rectangular volume. These volumes are then translated directly into spatial terms. The glass magically separates pockets of discrete acoustical and thermal environments while simultaneously heightening the visual field of the modernist free plan. The range is extreme. There is a hot shop. Are you the guy from Princeton? Yeah, welcome. Yeah. Yeah. Thanks for whose furnace reaches 2,400 degrees and in which glass blowers operate loud machinery while listening to jazz. 
there are galleries in which the temperature is only 15 degrees and the rooms relatively silent. Stepping back now from gallery number four into number three. Such extreme differences are, on occasion, separated only by two layers of glass in a two and a half foot wide thermally regulated buffer zone. Similarly, you have the same kind of membrane between the noise of the corridor. and the quiet in the salon, which is used for lectures and events. It's the acoustics are completely transformed in here. Huh. The image evoked in the mind is that of the logic of a classical plan, with its axial organization of rooms and the separation of interiors by the pochet of solid masonry walls. Here, that image of the classical is brought to play alongside the image of the modernist free plan, with its vistas and diagonal sweeping lines of movement. Sana have used an architecture of lightness, transparency and truth to refigure in the imaginary an architecture of weight, opacity and secrecy. Standing in the centre of the plan, inside gallery one. I'm gonna head into gallery number one. I couldn't help but think of those buffer zones or cavity spaces as the secret spaces of a renaissance palazzo, the warren of hidden stairs and passages by which the stage of courtly life would be continually rearranged by servants and maids slipping in and out of rooms. One imagines weaving inside the cavity spaces of plan. So there's uh, several cavities or open spaces, I guess they call them cavities. Um, let me look into it. We're looking into walking into the uh, cavity. We're working on it though. Hey. I was trying to find somebody that can take you through the cavities. That's only utilities who has the keys for the cavities. But any other space in here, I can take you. Yeah, she should have a key. Yes, she does have a key, but I don't have permission to take anyone in the cavities. Oh, I see. Yeah. yeah. I can't do that without permission. Um, would he be able to stand in one of the cavities so we can record what it's like to be inside of it? How um, would he? I don't know how he would. I, I was told that the group leader does not have a key that you have to contact utilities. We didn't know if you had one earlier. No, I don't know. Um, you Is can ask Marilyn. I don't know if, um, if she can get a hold of the utilities person okay. downstairs. Marilyn? Yeah. yeah, the group leader. Well, you know what? I have the keys too. Oh. Yeah, I didn't realize I had a key. I don't know what the door is. the door? He'll have to go in here and then out. I only know The space is like quiet and uh, uh, calm. Here I'm able to walk between the glass walls of the gallery on one side and the opaque walls of one of the storage spaces on, on the other side. And the, you can hear the acoustics are changing quite a lot. When you walk down in these cavity spaces you find yourself at a dead end.
like this one, um, which you find yourself at the kind of threshold point where two galleries are connecting to each other. I'm trying to find my way back out now. And I found the door and I'm back out into the service space. The illicit pleasure that I experienced wandering in the pochet of the plan is never available to the public. Instead, a very modern experience of visual connection and corporeal separation takes centre stage. This is an architecture of spheres, bubbles and capsules. One thinks of the discussion of modernity as a process of capsulization or immunization, as described by such contemporary philosophers as Levin de Sutter and Peter Sloterdijk. And again, it is that compression of the past, inscribed in the referential system to which the plan relates, and the present, made phenomenal in the visual and acoustic effects of the glass, which is heightened in the building, and which appears to transform the building into a disciplinary argument. Sarno have put the classical plan into play, yet, in their will to abstraction, they have used the filleted corners by which to make a diagonal warping of the space through the plan. It is as if Bridget Riley were to have tweaked the plan of the Palazzo Farnese at the last moment. The rooms bleed from one figure to the next at the corners, and in the same way that one sees reflections of people in the curving glass panels bleed and warp like a hall of mirrors. So I've weaved my way through from gallery number one into gallery number two. This is a series of three galleries that are connected at their corners. The museum literature claims that the architecture focuses one's attention on the objects in space. It is true that here the usual museum logic of objects as figures displayed on walls as background is flipped. Here there are only objects in space, without white walls to frame them. I wandered around with my cell phone the whole time taking notes and pictures. In this instance, however, the constant fluidity of reflectance, transparencies and glare in my periphery was more nauseating than it usually is when wandering around even the streets of Manhattan. With my attention focused on my iPhone as I kind of walk around the space, there's a real dizzying effect in the periphery of, of the, all the glass walls. The subject swims around the space or glides as the periphery dances around the subject. As I stand here in one of the central galleries and look out back towards the main road and the passing cars, the cars appear to sort of flicker against the glass divisions. They also appear to collapse inside their own reflections as they drive behind the many glass display cases that litter the space between me and the facade. There's a kind of dance that takes place all around you in the periphery Similarly, the reverberations of the glass simulates the noise of a swimming pool with echoes that one swims through. I can imagine the echo in here with like hundreds of kids. It's crazy. Hello! You can really hear people at the opposite end of the building. The noise carries from people chatting at Parkwood entrance right down to the Monroe Street entrance and conversations that periscope down the corridor. These effects are, I suggest, uniquely those of the democratic imaginary of space as transparent. But I would add, it is a democratic imaginary that is in this hyper-acceleration revealed to engulf 
fascinate, absorb and distract, in a way that inverts its own initial impulse. Of course, such imaginary effects always have their concrete structural underside. This is more like the underbelly workings of the studio. As a tech, yeah. I maintain all this equipment, keep right. it running, uh, help renters get it ready. So this is all the storage over there is the loading dock. This is just like the break room right here. So this is flat glass. This is where they cut. So this is where you like right. make it flat on the bottom if it's not already flat. Cut it, shape it in different ways, polish it. This is casting, so this is where they do like slumping and fuse it. This is where they actually fuse the glass together or shape it in different ways by slumping it into molds or casting into molds. So this is sandblasting. Back there is where they store the really expensive stuff. Right. To make this architecture of transparency, the true secrets are not in the wall, but underground and off-screen. Cross-bracing and columns are hidden within the few remaining sheetrock walls. Thermometers regulating the temperature are held one meter off the ground on slender steel posts. Signage is on the floor. Radiant heating as well as plumbing and wiring is hidden in the ceiling. The roof channels its rainwater through hidden interior drain pipes concealed behind the cornice. And the air handling and the emergency generators have been outsourced to an adjacent building. Like the messy service closet in the middle of the Farnsworth plan, here a whole host of careful conceits and displacements construct the deliriously absorbing image of visual contact. And such an imaginary swims alongside the building's own will to transcend the material realities that usually constrain the plan. Such a will is always in the end constrained somewhere. And here, the quilting point of this imaginary is that single symptomatic detail which every great work of architecture should have. So what they've done is they've just stopped one of the layers about a foot away from the moment where it would bifurcate and then just pulled it back at a right angle to meet. So you get this really awkward little curving wedge shape which looks like it doesn't really want to be there. Here the detail arises where the planned logic attempts the materially impossible. It is where Sana have attempted to magically bifurcate a single inch thick plane of glass into two. No matter which plane they would have to stop and turn back several inches short of this impossible collision, this tiny little gap will always have to be there. And this tiny gap marks a much larger moment in the conceptual space of this architecture. It marks the tethering of all drawn aspiration to the contingencies of concrete reality. I'm actually kind of done for the day. Yeah? Yeah. Good night. Yeah. Thank you. listening to a building review of Sunna's Toledo Museum of Art Glass Pavilion. The reviewer was Joseph Bedford. Thanks to the Toledo Museum of Art for their permission to record. Produced for attention, the audio journal for architecture.